We're currently sitting on the precipice of one of the biggest changes in the TV market in the last 20 years. As rumours turn to announcements, turn to concrete plans as Netflix and Disney Plus both launch ad-funded tiers next year. In its relatively short life, SVOD services, with Netflix at the forefront, have grown quickly from a niche to massive players in the broadcast market. They're spending a billion dollars in UK content a year, challenging the broadcasters for content spend as well as studio space and talent. The programmes they have created have won awards across the board, caught the cultural zeitgeist and become essential viewing. Shows like House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, Squid Game, Afterlife and many others. Us TV buyers could start to see that the massive chunk of time people were spending outside of traditional TV exploded in 2020, so we knew something was changing. Whilst Netflix and the rest historically were very protective of their viewing data, Barb's new 360 panel allowed to peek into the new landscape. Whilst we saw younger audiences spend less and less time on live TV, they are moving that attention over with a quarter of viewing on the TV set for 1634's dedicated to the SVOD streamers. So SVOD came at a perfect time for the pandemic. Audiences locked down at home, flocked to these services with hours of diverse content, no rolling news and no advertising. Investors piled in and by the end of 2021, Netflix had seen its share price double from pre-pandemic. Disney Plus, seeing the potential to get their content straight to consumers unmediated, piled in with high-profile commissions from the extensive IP suite, including the Disney back catalogue, Star Wars and Marvel. From Ofcom figures recently released, Netflix's 40,646 hours of content this April exceeded the PSB VOD libraries combined, including iPlayer, All4 and ITV Hub. I'd like to introduce Dan Taylor-Watts. Uh, Dan is a digital consultant, um, the man who uh, at the BBC brought us iPlayer. So um, no one better in the market really to talk about the sort of challenges that Netflix and Disney Plus have got. So I just wanted to ask you first, uh, Dan, um, uh, what made Netflix success it has become? You know, is it more than just simply it didn't have any adverts and it nicked some content from other people? Or was it, or was it something more about the platform that drove its relative success? Yeah, so I think de- definitely more than just those two things. I think Netflix did really change the game and then played that game pretty well for a number of years. Um, so they weren't the first, but they did go all in on streaming really early doors and without having to worry about broadcast TV channels in the equation. I think, as you say, kind of acquiring huge swathes of broadcasters' back catalogues with, with pretty good rights deals was, uh, was a good move. Um, but then they clocked that they needed to ramp up their original commissioning uh, as they were starting to lose that acquired catalogue. I think it really helped that they were able to borrow so much money uh, during that, that period. So, you know, it wasn't in the midst of a, an economic downturn and the, the global expansion and growth really persuaded investors to, to keep on pumping more money in. I think they've also played a really good PR game, so created a lot of mythology around how House of Cards came to be remade and, and how they use data to, to drive both their commissioning but also the on-product experience. And I, and I think the, uh, the, the reality sometimes differs. Um, and finally, I think they, they've really invested in, in the user experience and um, particularly kind of pioneered the use of multivariate testing to uh, show some users one thing and, and some users another, uh, and then measure the impact of those uh, changes. And consequently, they've got, got a product that's incredibly uh, well-tested and finessed. Adding on to that one, Dan, um, we're starting to see some kind of research from Ofcom and some other people as well around 
a lot of younger audiences, their go-to now is SVOD and kind of Netflix being the kind of the main one of that one, really. So um, big, a big chunk of what um, the Ofcom report said was that anything under people under 45, they're about three or four times more likely when looking for any sort of TV content, going straight to SVOD services rather than going through, going to live TV. Do you think we're starting to sort of see, see TV being a different thing for younger and older audiences going forward? Uh, I think that age is a bit of a proxy for different behaviours and there is a risk of becoming too binary about that. So younger audiences have definitely adopted streaming more quickly than older audiences um, and don't necessarily tend to have the same broadcast TV habits as the older generation. But older generations are starting to adopt uh, uh, streaming services and watch less broadcast TV. So I think there's there's a risk of kind of uh, simplifying it. Um, and I think part of that problem is a slight conflation of uh, content with distribution methods. So I think that the, unlike Reed Hastings, I think that, that live and linear TV have a uh, a bright future in the mix, but just not necessarily over broadcast networks. Um, so I think it's sort of more helpful to think about commissioning and acquiring the right content uh, for all of the people you're trying to reach uh, across your full suite of channels, both broadcast and streaming. I think, I mean, reading the Ofcom Media Nations report, I think a more profound shift, uh, which does seem to be generational, is just the sheer amount of time that young people are spending on media that isn't broadcast TV or streaming. Uh, I was particularly struck by the TikTok figures, uh, so nearly 5 million, 15 to 24, spending an average of 57 minutes a day on TikTok. Uh, which, that doesn't, not suggest that streamers or broadcasters should all pile in on, on TikTok, but I think being aware of the the relative slice of the media pie and how that's changing and, and potentially the need to deliver impact with fewer hours, to be honest. However, that success put a massive target on Netflix's back. More and more content houses started pulling successful shows off the platform and onto their new ones. The Office came off Netflix and went to Peacock, NBC's F-funded streamer, and Friends went to HBO Max in the US, amongst other shows. The explosion of competing services squeezed Netflix's library, especially in the US, pushing it to need to commission more and more content. An unspoken fact of Netflix was that too much of the time people were spending on it were coming from third-party content from the big studios, content that they couldn't control. Eventually, the promise of never-ending growth caught up with Netflix and investors became spooked. With rumours circulating, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings announced in April this year that in the name of consumer choice they would be implementing an ad-funded tier. Disney also made similar announcements about an ad-funded tier this year and since then we've had drips information coming through. These SVOD services have spent the last five years disrupting the traditional broadcast market. And now, it seems they have their sights set on the broadcasting advertising market. Netflix took pride in being the innovator in streaming, but they're coming into a well-established video advertising market. The value proposition for customers is going to be a difficult balance for SVOD services. People's lived experience of them is of an ad-free environment with huge catalogues of high-quality content from the US, UK and around the world. The technical challenge is going to be significant, integrating ad serving into the platform, finding mid-roll spaces and segmenting content amongst a myriad of different hurdles to clear. I asked Dan about the scale of the job that streamers have in integrating ads into their platform. 
So I guess, you know, Netflix, as you said, had a really good run of it across 2020 and 2021. But obviously they've kind of hit the skids a bit over the last kind of maybe four or five months, especially with subscriber numbers kind of going backwards, uh, investors getting a bit a little bit afraid of them. So they've talked about then bringing ads into their services and it went from a rumour to being, you know, a pretty much crystallised kind of process. So I guess on a, on a broader sense, someone who knows how it is to build a streaming service, like how difficult and how challenging is Netflix and Disney's job going to be in integrating an ad into their services? I think the technologies are a lot more mature than they were when the first uh, Avodic services started popping up uh, years ago. However, all of the companies that I work with who are who are playing in the ad-supported space spend a significant proportion of their time trying to get that right, both on the on the front end and at the back end. Um, and I think even when ads are really well targeted, delivered really seamlessly, that they're still seen by audiences as a, as a bit of a necessary evil. So, so you really want to get it right. Um, I think both of them will definitely be diverting a lot of resource to try and get it right. Disney obviously has experience with Hulu and ESPN of, of doing ad-supported streaming, whereas Netflix has uh, butted up with Microsoft to try and kind of uh, uh, pump prime their experience there. I mean, I think Netflix have made some statements about uh aspirations around improving that user experience of ads um, they they will though have to work with some limitations as you say I think the doing that across all of the different devices and platform that these services are on is a challenge also the content rights don't necessarily work in your favor so there's uh, Netflix have already said that they uh, the ad supported tier won't be the full catalog because they don't have the, the rights to offer all of that on that basis. Um, I think speculation that the downloads for offline viewing won't be supported in that, uh, the ad-supported tier. Um, but I think, as you say, also the, you know, break, breaking the content in the right places. They've, they've said they're doing mid-roll as, as well as pre-roll. Uh, not, not easy if the content's uh, not been commissioned or required for that for that purpose and I think we've all, we've all kind of uh, had the experience of seeing the joins where that's not been done well uh, so I think they uh, they will be investing a lot to, to try and get it right against the clock. <laughs> Netflix has employed Microsoft to sell the ad space so there's a sense that Netflix are seeing themselves as being part of a digital ad environment rather than a TV one. However, speaking to Lindsay Clay, the CEO of Thinkbox, there's a clear need for Netflix to work with and within the current advertising framework across TV. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome Lindsay Clay, the CEO of uh, Thinkbox, to the podcast today. Hello, and thank you for having me. So first off, what sort of ad experience do you think Netflix is going to deliver in comparison to the traditional broadcasters in the streaming environment? Well, I think it's a completely fascinating question. And to be honest, uh, your guess is as good as mine at the moment because it's very unclear what the uh, the nature of the ad model is going to be. But I think there are some things that you can say. Uh, Netflix is effectively TV in terms of its content environment. It's a really high quality content environment. It's some. It's a place that people are choosing to go to spend time with. Uh, there's huge amounts of 
you know, literal TV content on there because they buy it from uh, a lot of the uh, the broadcasters are our shareholders. Um, so it's it it should be a very similar content environment, which is great because that's going to be really prized by advertisers. But in terms of you know how they're going to choose to what the advertising experience is going to be. It's really, really hard to tell. You know, if it's going to be a similar model, which is, well, you know, a certain amount of um, minutes per hour in specific slots, um, I think in some ways it's it's better to be what consume what viewers are already familiar with because they're likely to be more accepting of it. Um, you know, because that it, it follows the model of you know watching uh, high quality streamed content, you know, with advertising around it. But I think the other thing that's worth saying is. TV advertising means all sorts of things now. I think it's not, you know, you use the word traditional, and I think TV advertising is anything but traditional. Uh, obviously, it, you know, you can go for sort of, you know, broad demographics, broad reach, mass targeting, but of course it's got a million tools in the TV's toolbox now, you know, incredibly tight targeting, uh, geo-targeting, you know, all the sort of, you know, data and tech capabilities. So actually... You know, if they could, they could use any of those approaches, and it would be TV-like. Fantastic! I think Netflix have got Microsoft on board to kind of sell the ad inventory. Essentially, they've always seen themselves as being, you know, the first people into the market, the first people to do X, Y, and Z. They're now going into quite a mature market that's been kind of working on, you know, the traditional kind of linear front for 30, 40 years, and then also in the SVOD, so the BVOD market again uh, for the last sort of 10, 15 years or so. So. Do you think that Netflix really needs to kind of work with the current model and how do you think they will do that? I think it's worth them um, analysing that model very closely before they dismiss it because there's all sorts of things that's really positive about it. And the other thing I would say is um, they should focus very closely on what is going to be valued by advertisers because, you know, partnering with the broadcasters is less of an issue really what they really need to focus on is what do advertisers prize what do they value in advertising and a lot of that is what the broadcast model is set up uh, to support so it's you know highly regulated it's trusted uh, the uh, adminitage is controlled uh, all the ads are pre-cleared beforehand so you know exactly what you're getting um, and there's a level of transparency about viewer data uh, viewing data and advertising data and that is you know th- those are some of the components that advertisers have come to really value you know along with the high quality content environment so I think um, Netflix uh, would be wise to look at those and think well are we just going to do something completely different that is not that or are we going to try and give advertisers uh, some of the things that you know they already really value about that content environment and w- would you say measurement is going to be the biggest challenge they have and, and that and measurement in the framework of the you know the entire video marketplace you know well, it's it's the topic du jour, isn't it? It's the thing that everybody is talking about. Um, obviously, the broadcasters in the UK have uh, worked incredibly hard in collaboration to come up with SeaFlight, which uh, is going to uh, uh, allow them to, well, it's already allowing them to uh, deliver deduplicated reach and frequency across the different forms of TV. Um, I, I think that's a big question for Netflix. How are they going to handle that aspect of the model when traditionally... They they 
haven't been very good about sharing uh, any kind of data because they haven't needed to. Uh, you know, it's a s- subscription model, so actually uh, they don't. They traditionally haven't been very bothered about how much viewing happens. It's you know what their attention rate is on um, subscribers, but that is going to become incredibly important now to the advertising customers of Netflix. So that's a really big challenge. And are they going to just um, sort that? themselves traditionally um the broadcasters you know that is is done via third parties and gives that level that you know that extra level of trust and transparency so netflix just going to organize that themselves are they going to partner with um trusted research company how much you know how comfortable are they going to be sharing some of that data but that's going to be hugely important to advertisers and and i guess would you and the broadcast in general be concerned about there being two different streams of measurement there being you know the kind of the more video kind of CTV stuff with uh, Netflix, Disney and big American companies doing their own thing, working with another partner and then sort of cutting out the broadcasts from that. Is that a concern that you've got or do you think that the market dynamics are going to force everyone to work together? Well, it's it's an interesting question and we'll see what happens. But uh, that that sort of quality, uh, regulated, trusted, gold standard barb type measurement is what is one of the components that has made... TV very successful and highly effective for advertisers. Um, it would be, you know, ideally, uh, as media fragments, uh, it, it would be good to be able to, you know, put, put them in the same pot together. Um, but that's up to Netflix, really. It depends if they think they can, you know, uh, and they're a, you know, very impressive, successful company. Uh, you know, it's one of the decisions that they've got to make. How are they going to handle that aspect of their business? Um, but I think advertisers would value uh, having, you know, a central source of uh, measurement for TV. Uh, so, you know, you imagine at some point uh, Netflix might join Seaflight. Fantastic. Potentially would um, Thinkbox allow Netflix onto their board? Well, that's a great question and uh, one of the uh, questions to be uh, decided and discussed between our shareholders, um, you know, over the over the coming months. And we'll be certainly looking at the uh, Netflix model very closely. And I mean, I think there's all sorts of there's all sorts of reasons why we would. Um, you know, Netflix is is TV effectively. It's you know really high quality. Uh, it's not just TV like content. It is TV. Uh, content. So there's an awful lot, certainly in terms of a sort of content environment, that it has in common with our uh, shareholders. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lindsay. Pleasure. One of the other big boys of digital getting into the AVOB market, but on a different model, is Amazon. After a soft launch early this year, Amazon will start actively promoting their Freebie proposition. Freebie is a separate content pillar that currently lives with Amazon Prime, with free-to-air content supported by advertising. The sale for advertisers is not only a streaming-centric audience, but also access to Amazon's first-party data. With online tracking becoming harder and harder, giving advertisers access to real consumer behaviour through such a platform sets them out in the marketplace. Dan, um, what sort of appetite do you think there is going to be from consumers for this? Obviously, you know, there's a huge amount of appetite for advertisers to get in there, and I think the fact that we can finally kind of have a chance to reach those audiences that have kind of turned their back a little bit from the kind of the live commercial airtime that we've been kind of working on. For consumers, though, like, do you think, from what you've heard so far, that the value proposition is going to be the right one? I think it's the right thing for both companies to be doing. Uh, arguably, Netflix didn't have much choice off the back of those subscriber numbers. I think in terms of 
consumer appetite, I think it, it really comes down to the pricing. Um, so I think there's been speculation just in the last week or so that Netflix are looking at a sort of seven to nine dollar price point for the ad supported tier, which which is sort of half the cost of their standard uh, tier in the US. So that's that feels like quite a uh, an attractive price point potentially. Um, as you say, Disney are kind of switching out their uh, their current standard tier um, for this ad-supported tier and then pushing up the, the cost of the ad-free ad tier. Um, I think, you know, Disney are sort of a bit less on the back foot. So I think that the, uh, I think they've done well to establish, establish the annual membership when they did, where you're kind of out of the monthly billing cycle of, is it worth me paying for this particular service in, in a given month? So if you can get, uh, Users to persuade themselves they're they're saving fifteen percent and and get out of that cycle. That's uh, that's a good thing. Um, but I think the economic factors are sort of pushing in both directions. So on the one hand, uh, I think inflation is likely to you know cause some brands to uh, scale back their ad spend. But I think that the on the flip side, then economic downturns do tend to result in in people watching more. TV and in this in this era, likelihood streaming services. Um, however, you know both both Netflix and Disney, it's it's not free um, even on the ad supported tier. Um, and I think that the uh, free to air TV uh, and you know the things like uh, uh, Freevee, where there's there's no um, no payment required, uh, might be bigger beneficiaries. Um, uh, as, as happened during the, the pandemic uh, at the peak. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Dan. Really, really appreciate your time. No worries. Thank you. Partnering with Microsoft makes a huge amount of sense, especially considering the other contenders would either integrate them into an opaque technology platform like Google or hand the keys over to an organisation that Netflix wanted to kill in the first place, NBC or Comcast. The scale of building the ad tech to fit seamlessly into a well-engineered SVOD service in less than six months is going to be a huge challenge. But what about advertisers? The current TV market is in a curious place. More demand than ever, with ITV and Channel 4 delivering the best ever ad revenue results last year. But commercial reach has consistently fallen across key younger audiences over the last three years, causing eye-opening levels of inflation on prices. I spoke to Christian Depp, Director of Growth at Harry's, about what he wants to see from an ad-funded Netflix. So I'd like to introduce Christian Depp, the... Director of Growth at Harry's Razors, uh, one of our uh, favourite clients, of course. Thank you very much. Um, so I want to start by asking you really around what do you and more broadly the kind of advertising market want to see from an ad-funded Netflix? Well, I think the first and most exciting thing for me is potentially competition. Because if you look at, we obviously work from a global perspective, we see lots of different advertising markets. And the fewer the advertisers, the more prices get inflated. And I think if you look at VOD so far in the UK, you've got Sky, you've got Channel 4, you've got a few key players uh, taking up the majority of the market. And as we see Netflix and Disney, etc., come through and really widen the amount of reach there, 
the natural knock-on effect should be a broader and more diverse range of advertising choices for advertisers, whether it's pure brand, whether it's, as we're starting to see already, um, VOD going into the DR space. Uh, and hopefully what that should mean is over time, once you've got past the initial new and exciting price peak, we should see prices start to come down and see a more diverse range of options for advertisers. Which raises a broader question for us telly nerds. Buying an ad spot on TV isn't as simple as it seems. Pricing is based on supply and demand, and big holding groups buy their airtime through annual share commitments. Netflix and Disney Plus are arguably too big to go under the radar, so their appearance is going to give broadcasters a big headache. Is ITV going to want big agency holding groups count Netflix into their share commitments? How could this even be policed? Those are the head scratches, but SVOD services entering the ad market could start a renaissance for TV advertising. The previous massive black hole of viewers locked behind the SVOD wall may be now reachable, expanding the reach and depth of TV campaigns, especially on the harder to reach younger audiences. I asked Christian Dapp from Harry's again about this. Is it, is it, is it going to be really important for you as an advertiser to have your plans be integrated as possible? So you talk about you know competition, those sorts of things. Do you think you also need to have a much kind of stronger sense of where those audiences and where those impressions are being delivered? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's no one-size-fits-all approach for advertisers, and sometimes I think that's a trap we fall into. You know, when you're working with a product like Harry's, which has quite a broad mass-market appeal, um, with the price inflation we've seen for younger audiences, we are able to flip and adapt and look at different audiences to get the the best possible optimum reach. Um, Whereas if you are you know, if you are are selling a product that is primarily targeted at a younger audience, you're going to have a lot fewer options at your disposal. Um, so I think there's going to be short, medium and long-term impacts of this sort of move. You're going to see in the short term, you're going to see early adopters and people with specific audience interest. Um, but as that grows and develops over time, you're going to see a broader range of advertisers step into the mix. Um, so yeah, I think there's a there's a broad range of impacts you're going to see across the different advertisers, but I think it's really important for advertisers to jump in at the right time um, for their business. And I guess fundamentally as well, do you think the introduction of Disney Plus and Netflix and other kind of SVOD services is going to make TV campaigns better? Are they going to reach more audiences, more impact, and also potentially with better data sources and better targeting metrics? Well, I assume we won't reach more purely because of CPTs. And if we just purely go, and uh, you can tell I'm coming from a dirty DR background here, <laughs> but if you're just looking at pure reach, you're not going to necessarily see the same, see the same levels of reach. Um, but we also know that there's a real point around the quality of the interaction uh, and the data you get at the back end of that interaction and what you can do in terms of retargeting, what you can, you can do in terms of understanding the measurable brand uplift of that audience. And so I think what you're going to see is... You're going to see a lot of different use cases in the first few different first few years. Um, you're going to see a lot of different ways of doing things, um, and you're going to need to work out what works for you. Thank you very much for your opinions uh, and your thoughts, uh, Christian. Uh, thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. The potential is massive for these platforms, and after many years of consolidation and slow progress in the broadcasters, the market is sitting up in anticipation. There's clearly a lot of challenges for each of the SVOD services to meet, and it remains to be seen the appetite audiences will have for ads on previously commercial-free environments. If they can get the value proposition in the right way between preserving the quality of the environment and an unobtrusive ad experience, then both Netflix and Disney Plus could be onto a winner. Broadcasters are still going to be the bedrock of our TV lives as they continue to be dominant on broader, mass-market audiences. However, can Netflix and Disney Plus cut a new space? 
straddling the TV and digital worlds of advertising in a way that our current broadcasters haven't quite managed. So, in conclusion, Netflix and Disney Plus are coming with ads and it'll be with us before we know it. They'll be fundamentally recasting their relationship with their consumers and entering into a quickly evolving and dynamic advertising market. There are a huge number of unknowns and speculation, but we know that Netflix will want to paint their ad proposition as an exclusive, high-impact and rarefied club, the Netflix of advertising, if you will.